This is a special bonus edition of Judaism Unbound, the Torah of reality TV, jumping the fence Jewishly. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Lex Rofberg. And I'm Katherine Horowitz. And uh, you're probably noticing, Katherine Horowitz, who's that? That's not Dan Liebenson, who's usually the person that is here with me. That is a logical thing for you to be thinking, because it's true. Katherine Horowitz is our Judaism Unbound and New Voices Magazine fellow for the year. She's our fellowship holder. We have had some wonderful fellows in the past whose bonus episodes you can access via the show notes for this episode. We've had an episode from Rini Yehuda Newman. We've had an episode from Becca Lubo. And this is another version of one of our fellows bringing their wisdom to our listeners through a bonus episode. And what that's going to look like today is that we're going to be deep diving into pop culture. Jewish pop culture into pop culture as a kind of religious practice. And to kick things off, Catherine, I kind of want to hear, like, why are we doing that? For a lot of people, pop culture is something that is seen as not serious. And for that reason, I guess not important. You know, and we see in a religious context, old texts, the Torah, the Talmud, things like that. Like, those are important. And those take up a different sphere of our lives than like reality TV and like pop music and things like that. And that's also true in academic spheres. I'm an English major. And so we see like classic literature as like serious and important. And then there sort of is like this lowbrow sphere of things that is not important and not necessarily, I guess, sophisticated enough to take up serious time and like serious analysis, you know, because people see it as silly, I guess. Um, But it actually is a really huge part of how people form identities. The music we listen to, the movies we watch, all of the media that we consume, like that really dictates a lot how we think of ourselves. I think of myself as a Jewish person. I also think of myself as like a bachelor watcher. Like that is a really big part of my identity. And it's a big part of how we connect to other people. It takes up such a huge part of people's lives. It's something that I'm really interested in analyzing and talking about seriously. Yeah, I I love a few words that you use there. So you, you use the word serious and like seriousness a few times and sophisticated. And I think you're absolutely right. There's this way in which we stratify Jewish stuff into a few categories. The category that is at the top of the pyramid that is seen as most intellectual or maybe most spiritual or most storied or most Jewish, honestly, would be texts ancient texts like Torah, Talmud, absolutely those. And, you know, maybe more recent texts, if they're from rabbis and analyzing legal things and all that stuff, that's serious, that's sophisticated. And then stuff that we watch on a TV or in a movie theater is not seen that way. But I've learned a number of things over the years in like giving presentations to Jews about various subject matter. I think there are a lot of Jews who would be more upset if I said, Barbara Streisand isn't that great, then would be if I said, Moses isn't that great. More upset blaspheming the name of Barbara Streisand than would me blaspheming the name of Moses from, you know, the five books of Moses. And we could laugh at that. We could say that's kind of funny that a contemporary singer and actress would be a bigger deal for many Jews' lives and even their relationship to Jewishness to Judaism, or we could say, like, that's actually pointing to something 
deep. I think that it's pointing to a number of interesting deep things about how we shape our own identities as Jews and as people and the role that TV and film and music, like you said, can relate to that. But I'm curious how you would relate to that. And you don't have to talk about Barbara Streisand so much. You mentioned like reality TV. That's maybe a great place for us to think about because reality TV, if we were to make a spectrum of all pop culture, I feel like reality TV is at the far trivial end of the spectrum from like trivial to serious in most people's minds. So how is it that we might actually learn something about Jewishness or religion through reality TV? One thing that is interesting before I like specifically answer the reality TV question is that one of the reasons pop culture specifically is like so significant is that you know, in a very like traditional sense, like what are Jewish people like Jewish people are supposed to structure all their entire day and their entire week and everything around prayer and Torah study and things like that. That is sort of like the expectation. Um, But like that is not the case for most people today. But we do structure our lives around pop culture that we consume a lot of the time. Um, A certain day of the week is the day that I watch this episode. And then like another day is like the day that I call my friend to talk about it. Um, Reality TV specifically, though, I think is so fascinating because it sort of is like a sociological study in a way. Um, (laughs) If like you choose to look at it like that. Watching it, you mean? Like you're kind of of analyzing it. Because it's like each kind of reality TV show is sort of like a really specific human experiment. Sometimes it's a competition, mental challenges, physical challenges, strategy, like Big Brother is like just like a strategy show essentially. Um, And then there's dating shows as well. But like no matter what, it's like relatively normal people being put is in like dating show a strategy show Ooh, that's a cynical question oh <laughs> i not, have a lot to say about that it. Yeah. no i mean like because when you're on a dating show like you have to figure out i mean you know obviously it's about making a real connection with the other person but part of it is like what do i need to do to stay here for as long as i can like you know i have to present myself in a way that the producers like that the audience likes that the lead likes and that the other contestants like too, because otherwise I'm going to get eliminated. So there is definitely strategy involved. So the thing that is really fascinating to me is seeing how like these real people respond to these totally not real situations, you know, manufactured. So that's why I think reality TV is honestly very deserving of serious study, because also it's sort of as like reality TV. I'm doing quotes right now. But the people who are producing it, they're trying to reflect actual reality. So like the way that people see themselves and the state of the world and everything today is really reflected in like these fake versions of the world that are created on reality TV. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I this is not something I've shared so much on the show. I haven't been hiding it, but I don't think I've found many opportunities on Judaism Unbound to mention that I myself am definitely also a reality TV I don't want to say buff, but I, I watch a lot of it. And maybe that surprises people. Maybe not. I don't really know. But what you described is absolutely how I watch it. I mean, for me, it is totally like anthropologist mode. I'm like thinking about human existence and how we function in the world and also how we don't function in the world. That's often what's on display most with these reality shows. It's really interesting. You In every version of these shows, you're taking some mixture of people from different areas of the country or world, 
from some amount of diverse life experience, often it's not that diverse. I mean, often people are pretty hyper wealthy, but they're different versions of hyper wealthy from different areas. And they are sharing space together and interacting and getting to know each other. And I'm engaging with it as a viewer, but I'm also engaging with it as, like you said, kind of an analyst. And maybe that sounds bizarre to people. I enjoy finding depth in places that are trivialized. The very fact that I kind of have to work to find something deep in a reality TV show, as opposed to watching some, you know, acclaimed drama with clear themes and maybe like historical connection. Like that's, I, I do that. I enjoy watching those kinds of movies or shows, but I think the fact that people want to say, you know, oh, The Bachelor, these random, annoying, like 20-somethings being super pretty with one another and causing drama in a house and all dating the same guy, like what could be deep about that? I find it kind of thrilling. I don't know. You're right to call out the veneer. It's not actually real. It's not reality in that sense. But the fact that they're striving towards reality, it creates a cool experiment. So basically, like I do engage with reality TV pretty regularly, but the regularly takes a specific form, which is different from other things I watch, which is I have a group of people that I watch The Bachelor with. We have like a, a silly fantasy pool, like a contest with one another. Oh, I didn't even know that. we watch on Tuesday nights, um, which is funny because The Bachelor actually airs on Mondays, yeah. but not everybody can make it on Monday. So we watch on Tuesdays, the day after, we, we go to one of our houses or apartments and we watch together and we're like commenting together and analyzing it together. And the fact that we sort of collectively, I don't want to say hate watch. We actually do like it. I don't want to pretend I'm this like, I'm, I'm above it. I'm, I'm more sophisticated than the reality show. I, I, I enjoy it in certain ways, but it's also like a terrible reflection of the world. But I go on Tuesdays and watch it with people every week in a way that's kind of parallel to folks who go on every Friday night or Saturday morning to a synagogue service. Yeah, I have the same sort of thing as you. I have friends that I specifically connect to like through watching TV shows. Um, So that actually relates to the big idea of what I wanted to talk about on this episode, which is how watching TV resemble religious ritual. And, you know, I also have the same experiences as you of watching it with other people. I also think that there's a lot of ritual within these shows as well, even separate from like watching it and talking about it. But I kind of wanted to start by asking you, like, what exactly do you think of as a ritual? Like, how do you define that word? I would boil ritual down to an activity in somebody's life that, well, (laughs) nope, 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 nope. One category of ritual relates to like the adjective ritualized. I think it means like patterned, something you do repeatedly. So you might do it daily. If if somebody is a person who meditates and they do it each day, you know, that's ritual in the sense that it is ritualized. Now, the other category is that I actually think ritual doesn't have to be repeated. Lighting Shabbat candles once like, I do think that's ritual. I wouldn't call it a practice. We actually talked about this in our spirituality unit of Judaism Unbound. I wouldn't call something a practice unless you practice it regularly, like if you do it repeatedly. A ritual, I would just say it's an act and an action that somebody does to connect to other people or 
the divine. Maybe it's just an act that people do to consciously connect to something beyond themselves. Shabbat candles is a ritual. Watching a TV show regularly is a ritual. But honestly, even watching, let's say you're somebody who enjoys specifically watching the ways that Jews are represented in movies or TV. Like I saw the Fablemans recently. Like me going to that movie, I think was a Jewish ritual in the same way that reading the weekly Torah portion or or reading any segment of Jewish text is a ritual. The fact that it's like a contemporary movie as opposed to a text from a few thousand years ago, it doesn't make it any less or more a ritual. I was walking into that movie theater for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons was to deepen my own sense of Jewishness and connection to other Jews and to contemporary Jewish society. I was also going because I like movies, forgetting Jewish, the ritual of going to a movie theater, getting popcorn each time. Val and I, my wife, we we do not go to a movie at a movie theater and not get popcorn. Even if we had dinner and are full, we get popcorn because that's part of what ritual is. It's something you do even, even in the moments where it doesn't fit perfectly. So I don't have a particularly helpful answer, but basically I'd say ritual, it's an act that one takes on to connect beyond oneself. See, that's interesting that you say that you don't need to have repetition because that's, I mean, I thought a lot about this idea before recording and pretty much the only thing I could really come up with that I associated ritual with was repetition. And I think like finding meaning specifically in the repetition. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you say that. I think that also like even going to the movies once or not like at a specific time each week or every day or even once a month or anything like that you still are sort of connecting to like the reason it's a ritual, I guess, or even a Jewish ritual is like, you know, you're connecting to this larger set of practices that people do. So I think there is sort of like a repetition in it still. But I think that's really interesting. And sort of related to that topic is I've been thinking a lot about Well, one of the like main reasons I initially came up with this idea with reality TV specifically was there's like this weekly ritual, essentially, of watching it. So I watch the episode every single Monday night and then I listen to a podcast episode every Wednesday when it comes out. And then I call my friend to talk to her about the show every single Sunday. And I sort of think of it as like the weekly Torah portion Essentially, um, because that's, you know, something you're supposed to do every week um, and you get this like installment weekly and, you know, you're supposed to like listen to it at the same time each week. I've also um, been thinking about this sort of newer topic of, you know, there's some shows that come out that aren't actually weekly episodes anymore. They're all released at once. And even shows that do come out weekly, like now that we have all this access to streaming services, It's very possible and very common to not watch the episodes weekly, but to watch an entire season after it comes out, like on a random Saturday or something like that. And that sort of threw a wrench in my theory, I guess. (laughs) But I thought about it more um, and I started thinking about like Shavuot. That's something that is like, you know, one period of like intensive time devoted to something. Shavuot being a, a festival that's in late spring, early summer, where you, you stay up all night talking about various Jewish stuff. Yeah. Or you stay up all night watching a season of 
survivor, you know, um, also very serious work. Um, and then also I was thinking about Hawk Hell, um, which Judaism Unbound just had an event for or had an event for a few months ago at this point, which isn't really done anymore. Um, but trying to bring it back. And that is an event where you're supposed to read the entire Torah in one day. So that is, and everyone is supposed to like hear it. And so like that, I feel like is sort of the equivalent of binging a show. It does feel like reality TV is one of the only types of shows to still happen weekly because you have to keep up the suspense. Even on streaming services, The Circle on Netflix, they'll release like three episodes and then a few weeks later, they'll release three more episodes. So I do think that that is still like one of the forms of TV that the weekly thing kind of remains. And also like White Lotus, um, when that was coming out, that was a weekly thing. And that was really popular. And I had a few friends who were very into the show and they would watch it every single Sunday night. So I, I do think that that is coming back a little bit in the last few years. And I think when a show builds a lot of momentum and has a lot of excitement, especially like collective discussion around it, it's a weekly thing. So I think that that is a pretty significant thing. Yeah, I agree. And first of all, I want to invite listeners, like you might or might not be somebody who watches reality TV. If you're not, think about a show in your life, whether it's now or in the past, that you have made a point to watch on a specific day when it comes out. And maybe that you have a relationship with somebody in your life where you talk about that show with them. I mean, I I remember growing up when there weren't streaming services. And yeah, I mean, I think what you're pointing to with on Monday, you watch, and then on Wednesday, there's a podcast, and then you have a specific moment where you talk with your friend. I think it's pointing to the ways in which ritual sometimes is about the ritual, and sometimes it's about what you do after, if that makes sense. And I'll clarify what I mean by that. Like in a Jewish context, there's a famous aphorism. We've talked about it on the podcast a ton. Some people go to synagogue to talk to God, other people go to talk to people. And I don't think that's cynical. I think that's beautiful. I think that there are people who go to a religious space mostly just to smooth with their friends afterward. They're not that interested in the content of the prayers. And I think similarly, when I watch a reality show, I am partially watching specifically so that I can connect with people afterwards who I know are also watching. It's a peoplehood thing, to use a word that we use a lot Jewishly. Like When you light candles on a Friday night, you're aware that a ton of other people around the world are lighting those candles at approximately the same time in their time zone. And that adds to the ritual work of the action. It, it mean, you're not just lighting your own candles. You are connecting to a large group of people that is also lighting candles. And that's part of why like, I try to watch certain reality shows around when they've come out, because I do want to be able to participate in like the crazy Twitter discourse that's going on. And I want to be able to smooth with my friends in real time and together wonder what's going to happen next. If I wait till the end of the season and binge, sure, I can still have what I would call a ritual experience. I can still binge in the way that you talked about Hakel, where you're binging the Torah. But, you know, that binge is going to be less communal than if I were to take part in this weekly moment where on Mondays, or in my case, Tuesday, like we wouldn't schedule our watchings of The Bachelor on Thursday because three days will have passed and the Twitter discourse will be fully done. And I want to be able to like pop in even 24 hours late to participate. But I I don't know. I think you're also pointing to like something that could bother people, right? Like you said that it parallel that for you it's kind of like the Torah portion. 
I think some people could get mad about that. And I hope somebody out there listening is like, that felt disrespectful to the Torah. I don't think it's disrespectful to the Torah because my relationship to Torah is not something where I look at that text and I'm like, this is fully aligned with my values. It's totally right. I believe every word. That's not how I relate to the Torah. And it's not how I relate to reality shows. If I related to the Torah as this is actually divine words from God that are all true, capital T, I don't think that The Bachelor or The Circle or American Idol or Big Brother or The Amazing Race, I don't think any of those reflect values that I aspire to in the world. So I wouldn't want to make that parallel. But if the parallel is that, oh, I read the Torah to disagree with some of the Torah characters and how they act, to agree with others, to question what God's doing in this story, to love what God does in this other story, that is totally translatable to watching a TV show where we think that some of the characters, some of the cast members are wildly out of line, while others do represent the kinds of values we want to have in the world. First of all, with the community element, I think that's a way that I think maybe a lot of listeners who don't necessarily watch reality TV in the way that we do can relate to this. I will listen to music and watch movies, et cetera, et cetera, because either a lot of people are interested in them and I've heard a lot of talk about it and I want to be able to talk about it too or because specific friends are really into it and I want to be able to talk to my friends. So it really is a way of like participating in a larger community. There's a lot of shows that I have close friends who they're really into them and I like am not necessarily and and then I started watching them yeah because I wanted to spend time with my friends and talk to my friends when something is culturally relevant. Yeah, you want to participate in the conversation and you want to like be a part of the culture. Um, And so like that is a really big motivation for people, even if you aren't obsessive about like never missing an episode of a TV show. And then the thing that you just said about revering a text or a TV show versus judging it is really interesting because I think a lot of... I didn't say judging, but I love that. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, no, I like that. Like, oh, we're totally judging yeah, or questioning. characters on reality TV shows. And we're judging Moses. We're judging God in some of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that is a big part of why people watch reality TV specifically because they want to make moral judgments or find some sort of moral direction. And so much of what they talk about on those podcasts is like, did this person make the right decision or did they make the wrong decision? Or like, is this person a villain or do we understand their actions or should this person have been eliminated? But yeah, I mean, like, especially in the last few years, people get really into it. Actual like anger around like, how certain conversations are handled and how certain conflicts are handled. And, you know, especially on dating shows, people are really sharing like deep emotions. But I think honestly, on a lot of reality shows, there's sort of this requirement to come in with some sort of personal tragedy that you're going to share at some point on the show. And that's something that I think has really increased recently. And the way that that is handled, people love to make moral judgments about it. And that's a huge part of what structures discussions around the show and I kind of am like do you really look to Big Brother or The Bachelor or Survivor for like a serious moral understanding of the world you know and I I really try to not do that but people do whether we like it or not I guess so I think that's how it's become at least in the past few years. 
I definitely don't look to The Bachelor or even other shows that are a little less cynical. I, I, I happen to love The Amazing Race. It's just, you know, a, a race around the world where people do fun activities and are trying to go faster than each other. And But even there, I, I don't think that it's a model of all the values I would aspire to in the world. But in the same way, I read the story of Jacob and Esau in the Torah. And I, I look at a character and I'm like, oh, wow, this guy Jacob is kind of an ass. I'm not sort of choosing team Jacob and then defending every one of his actions. I'm saying, oh, is when he pretends to be Esau and tricks his dad into getting his blessing along with the help of his mother, Rebecca, is that aligned with my values? Do I think that it's okay to engage in that kind of behavior for the purposes of personal gain over one's brother. And then I ask myself, well, wait a second. I might not think that it's good, but do I think it's okay that Esau just automatically gets the birthright because he's the oldest? Is that what I think the world should look like? No, I don't think that. And then I go back and forth and I inhabit both perspectives, Jacob's, Esau's. Then I ask Rebecca's role in this whole situation. What's the deal with a mother choosing a favorite son over another? That doesn't seem so great. We could apply that to reality TV and look at how all these characters interact, how they how they form alliances with one another, how they're drastically changing their allegiances. That I'm not watching to behave like X character on the show. I am watching to unlock questions around how I should act in the world. And when I watch with my friends, like we occasionally get kind of heated with each other. Yeah. <laughs> about like what we would do, who we think is villainous and who we think is acting well. Like it can get intense because we are all processing in real time how we would act in this situation, what challenges would arise for us. And so they become personal in the same way that a story that takes place a few thousand years ago about folks we are claiming as our literal or spiritual ancestors, that also becomes personal. Even watching a show, a movie, anything and being like, that's really messed up is in some way like, yeah, constructing some sort of understanding of like what is messed up. And I think to close this out, I sort of wanted to give like a specific example of a moment in reality TV that I think is meaningful um, because like reality TV specifically more than really any other form of media adheres to a very set repeated formula. Survivor has the tribal council, Bachelor has the rose ceremony, and there's always some sort of like ritual step to the front, step to the back. Like the person who is continuing on another week is this person. And so then when something deviates from that, you notice it. So one like moment in reality TV that I'm really passionate about and that I think will give a really specific sense of what I'm talking about happened in season 23 of The Bachelor, which was the season where a guy named Colton was the lead, The Bachelor. For those of you who aren't familiar with the show, the way it works is you start with 30 people and, you know, week by week, The Bachelor will eliminate people in like this very ritualistic rose ceremony where he hands out an individual rose to everybody that he's going to keep. So this guy Colton sort of broke the entire formula when he only had three people left. There's a lot of unspoken rules on The Bachelor. One of them is that if the person you're really interested in leaves the show, you have to just continue with it because you're under a contract. You have to film an entire season. So basically, Colton's top pick, the person he was going to choose, Cassie, left the show. So when Cassie left, what 
would have happened in any normal season is Colton would have cried. It would have been really sad. And then he would have gone on to have the remaining two girls meet his family, go on to the final rose ceremony, and then pick one of them and get engaged. But that is not what happened. He actually fled the premises of the show. Um, They literally could not find him for two hours. It was a very famous to me, I guess, moment where he literally, they, they had like a fence and he jumped over the fence. It was seven feet tall um, and he literally jumped over it in one motion, um, which was crazy. And then he ran off into the wilderness and they sort of tricked him into coming back. They were like, if you come back to the hotel, we'll bring you to the airport. He was allowed to go find Cassie and talk to her and he convinced her to come back. She was really nervous about getting engaged. So he was like, we don't need to get engaged. We can just leave together dating. And then he eliminated the other two people. And so like that was a moment that I think about a lot because it deviated from this formula that we'd become so used to. And I think that's, you know, if we're using like the Torah comparison, I think like that's sort of what you want in like your religious practice as well. Like you don't, I mean, there is something to be said for repetition for the sake of repetition and ritual for the sake of ritual. And I think that's actually very meaningful, but you know, we read the Torah every single year. You know, you also like watch these shows in the same like cyclical way every single year. And there's different people on it, but you know, each season has the same beats, but then like the moments where things happen that you didn't expect or you are like genuinely moved by something happening or you have some sort of new like revelation, that's pretty much what it's all about. And that's like what you want to achieve both when you're watching these like repetitive shows and when you're reading the Torah because you don't, the Torah, like I haven't read the whole Torah a bunch of times, um, but there are some parts of it that I've experienced a lot of times, um, like the Binding of Isaac, which I hear every single Rosh Hashanah And the goal with that is to get some new insight about it every year or look at it in a different way every year. My rabbi will always like say something slightly different about it. So one year you might talk about how Sarah isn't there. And one year you might talk more about Isaac's perspective in the whole situation. One year you might talk more about like Abraham specifically. You know, she's aware that we experience it again and again and again, and she doesn't want it to be exactly the same. So that's sort of what the goal is um, with these TV shows as well, to find the exciting things like in the repetition. And I think that's what people really look for in all sorts of rituals. What you're describing is a balance between structure or comfort with surprise various reality shows, what makes them work is that you can watch season one and then you can watch season two and you can watch season three. And there's like enough sharedness between all the seasons that you know the formula. But then the really exciting moment is when there's a a hopping of the fence, when there's an upending of the norms you expect. Um, I was at a Saturday morning service once where somebody dropped the Torah. It hit the floor. And and, and obviously that wasn't happy. I don't think anybody in the room was happy. But I promise you, that Saturday morning service sat deeper than virtually any other Saturday morning service I've ever been to because it was the hopping of the fence. It was like, oh my gosh, everything that I am used to being normal in this space is now gone. The Torah just hit the floor. What do I make of that? That is, I think, what good ritual does. It provides enough of a pattern, enough of a rhythm that you know what's coming most of the time. But then every once in a while, it's like a, like a heart skipping a beat. 
something shifts. And those are the moments where the actual juiciness of religion or culture, pop culture, whatever, that's where it lives. To get Judaism Unbound for a second, like there's ways that I think we could shape better and different reality TV by looking at what religion is. And I think the other way is true too. I actually think that we could have better Torah studies if we thought that they should look like an episode of a reality TV show. What if every single Torah study began with previously on Torah study? Just like every episode of The Bachelor starts with previously on The Bachelor. That's a good teaching. We should remind people what was happening in last week's Torah portion when we're talking this week's. That makes it possible to draw connections between last week and this week. If you don't do that, you're not going to connect the story of Balaam and Balak and the talking donkey to the story of Pinchas, which comes next. You know, when we see the benefits of a reality TV experience, as, as silly as that seems, we can grow and learn a lot. And so I, I just wanted to give as my last thought that like I grew up in Sunday school and my teachers, when I was like five, said, God is everywhere. But I think if I said to them, okay, God is in reality TV, talk to me about that. They would have been like, wait, mm, everywhere else. And part of what I'm doing when I'm watching reality TV and trying to find meaning in it is actually a spiritual practice of finding meaning, finding something special, even in the places that are seen as most trivial. That's something I actually aspire to for our Jewish communities and for the rest of the world, too. I just wanted to respond to an earlier thing that you said about making our religious practice and our religious spaces more like reality TV. A lot of Jewish communities right now and also a lot of reality TV shows that have been around for a really long time and especially ones that are on like cable networks, a lot of those shows are facing the same sort of reckoning of people aren't interested anymore. How can we keep people interested? And moments like the fence jump, that is one of the only moments in the last few years where I really remember that people were talking about it. Like I remember like walking to the library and I was standing by the printer and I heard like these random people being like, did you hear what happened with Colton last night? And I was like, wow, <laughs> people are talking about it. And that was a moment where I felt very dignified about liking The Bachelor, you know, because it seemed like it was really getting the the attention that it deserved. But I think, you know, ever since then, like producers of the show are really trying to figure out, like, how can we get back to the fence jump? How can we create moments that are similar and like authentic seeming and also shocking? The standard is not sticking to the same formula and doing the same thing again and again. But like what you want is to be able to keep jumping the fence in a way that keeps people interested. And I think that that is something that a lot of religious communities have to think about, too. There's obviously all this talk about how young people aren't as into religion or their religious identity, which is like a whole thing. But I think really thinking about how are you going to keep jumping the fence, reinventing how your religious practice works, essentially. That is such an incredible closing note. And it feels like the most Judaism unbound point we could close with. And what I mean by that is like, since our beginning of this show, we've been talking about how people think that what Judaism is or what Jewishness is, is about continuing this lineage, this tradition that we received, sort of maintaining it and then passing it on to the next generation. You know, you receive a set of holidays and stories and rituals and whatever, and our job is to 
polish those and pass it to the next generation. But what you're saying with this hopping the fence piece is the magic is in the moments where it's discontinuous, where we actually shift drastically the norms of what Jewish experience are or can be. So that's really, really cool. Catherine, thank you so much for facilitating this conversation. We're going to close out this bonus episode in the same way that we close every one of our episodes, which is encouraging folks to be in touch with us. I anticipate many, many emails from all of you out there, you fine folks. I anticipate that there will be some notes that are like, how dare you? Why did you make this comparison between the five books of Moses and reality TV? How dare, like, please send those. I believe very deeply both in myself and in Catherine's ability to field those questions ably. So send us notes. You can send them to me at lex at judaismunbound.com and I will bring Catherine into the thread. And also, if you really liked this, if you're part of Bachelor Nation and you found it refreshing that a Jewish podcast thought there was something to talk about with The Bachelor, let's talk. Send us that email, too, about how excited you were. So here's how you can do that. You can send us Facebook messages, Instagram, etc. All of our handles are at Judaism Unbound. You can email me at lex at judaismunbound.com. And you can check out the show notes for this episode at judaismunbound.com slash podcast. You can read Catherine's incredible article about The Bachelor that was published about a a year before this episode is coming out. That is part of why we hired her to this fellowship, honestly. And uh, in general, we really appreciate hearing from everyone, whatever your takeaways are from this conversation. So thanks so much for listening. And with that, this has been Judaism Unbound.